God actually uh, bringing you a sermon today. Philippians is on hold for a couple of weeks, right? Because uh, as you can hear, there's a lot of us to cover. There's a lot of things for us to cover in the area of, of missions as a church. So even though next week is our missions focus, it's kind of spilling into this week a little bit. But I've got some, some more exciting news to share with you all. And Adam, uh, not Adam, Gavin was hinting at it a little bit earlier. As a church, I feel like we're showing a lot of really positive and increasingly effective uh, effectiveness in how we're, we're spreading the good news. You know, the, the job that Jesus gave us, he made it crystal clear that we, we're to go into all the world and, and spread the message of Jesus, right? So part of that, and it's been exciting, is to see this renewed focus and investment into overseas missions as a church family. You know, that's, that's the ends of the, of the world part, the ends of the earth part that Jesus talked about in Acts 1. And I love what our missions team is doing in that space. So, so that's why next week is really important for you all to be here. I want you to embrace it. As well as overseas missions, though, I, I love the fruit we're seeing in our local mission right here in our northwestern part of Brisbane. I've noticed momentum. Has anyone else noticed that? But one thing that is obvious is that not only is it good to send people to the nations, the nations more and more are coming to us, aren't they? They're coming to, to Australia and, and and I would say, it's fair to say that the north side of Brisbane is playing a little bit of catch-up in that regard when it comes to people arriving from other places around the world. What this does for us is, though, it presents new opportunities for us locally. And for several years now, I've been praying, God, raise up someone either within or, or bring to us that has a heart for cross-cultural mission in our neighbourhood. And I believe that God's answered that prayer. The Knight family, and you heard from Sarah this morning, the Knight family have been here in Brisbane with us, uh, I think it's just over 12 months now. Would that, just under 12 months. I, I don't know what I'm talking about today, honestly. But it's around, I'm just going to go with around 12 months. They, they moved from Maryborough, and through a lot of prayer and discussion, we're all sensing that Hills Church is a really good fit for the ministry that they are called to. Jay is an ordained minister in the Wesleyan Methodist Church. He works full-time for SIM Australia in the area of mission mobilization, originally from the USA, uh, but has served on the mission field for many, many years around the world. Robin is originally from Yapoon and served on the mission field in Haiti as a nurse originally, but uh, you know, with Global Partners, which is the the mission arm of the Wesleyan Church in America, but together they've served in other places around the world as well. They're going to tell you a little bit about that shortly. They met on the mission field. Am I right with that one? Good. And Sarah, Joshua and Aaliyah are their three awesome kids. For the last few years, while being in Maryborough, both have served in different positions there, pastorally, and, um, and so... And now it's, it's all full-time SIM. Robin's ministry focus uh, is cross-cultural missions, particularly with refugees, migrants, and new arrivals to Brisbane, uh, particularly from cultures that are very different to ours. This is a group of people that need care, support, and new skills to find their way 
in our community. So the first bit of exciting news is that Robin will be leading this ministry from Hills Church starting next year. Yes. Yeah, let's put our hands together because that's going to be good. You're going to hear some more about it in a minute. The second bit of exciting news is that after much prayer and discussion with the missions committee and the elders, Hills Church is going to be partnering with the the Knight family. So effective immediately, the Knights will be supported by Hills Church as sent missionaries. In other words, Hills Church will be their sending church. Can we put our hands together for that one as well? And I'm excited about that. The fit is a really good one. The opportunity for us to continue to be more effective is growing. This means a couple of things. As a church, we will partner with uh, the Knights by taking responsibility to care for them, encourage them and pray for them like we do with the other missionaries that are within our group. We will also become one of their main financial supporters. The Knights have support, have support from other places around the world and other churches, but uh, there is a reasonable need, quite a significant need that we feel that we can meet, especially since we've agreed that we're going to be their sending church. So this will mean an increase in our missions budget, but I, I look at it as an opportunity to invest into the kingdom with two very qualified and effective kingdom workers. And so in faith, we're just saying yes to this challenge that's before us. The exciting thing for us is that Robin and Jay are going to be investing back into here, into the, the mission work here at Hills in this cross-cultural ministry area. That's amazing and awesome. And I can't wait to see what that's going to, what God's going to do, actually, in that particular area. So it's a lot to take in. And I've asked Robin and Jay to take my sermon slot today and to share more about themselves, about their calling, about the ministry opportunity that begins next year. So I've taken up way too much of their time. So could you put your hands together and make them feel welcome again as they come and share. Thank you, Jake. We are extremely uh, thankful and feel humbled and blessed again, um, not just for this opportunity to share this morning, but that you have welcomed us so warmly um, and generously. Um, it is something that we don't take for granted and um, are grateful to God uh, for your partnership in the gospel. So um, thank you very much for that. Um, so the title for this morning's message is Our Shared Mission. So even though we've had a little bit of time listening to Sarah this morning and we will be presenting, it's not about the Knight family. It's about Christ in us um, and Christ in us and through us. And that's, that's all of us. And so what better place to ground that, that these stories, but in God's greater story. In a, in a sense, um, how I will start this morning is a little bit of like a week 32 recap of the story. Um, but as a, in a, even though it's a little bit of a mixing of metaphors, um, I, I've heard the metaphor used a lot about the story of Scripture presented as a symphony, that there's these four significant mo moments, four significant movements that parallel with how symphony is, symphonies are put together. In fact, my younger brother, who studied classical music as a classical guitarist, said to me some 20, 30 years ago, 
that every symphony is actually built the four movements around the story of God in the scripture or the story of Christ. And so what I want to do is just quickly highlight those four movements and then look at a look at a specific story and then share our story and how we sense the Lord calling us together as a church to reach the nations who are in and or around our neighborhoods. So the opening movement of scripture, if you will, with creation, we, we, if you can imagine with me musically the, the crescendo and building up towards the creation of humanity in God's image. And as we're created in God's image, we're created to, to instill, his, to reflect his rule over all creation and to reflect worship back to him. That was the, the beautiful design that God had entrusted with us as humanity. And you could probably, if you want to imagine, you know, the music building up to something beautiful and then the fall happens and then, you know, deception happens and, and humanity sort of swallows that, that seed of, it's not about God, it's about you. You can be your own gods. And, you know, I'll stop on the music metaphor, but it's if you have children that ever practice the violin, um, you could imagine that, but sounding much worse, like um, if it's even possible. So, you know, what we were created to be almost immediately um, fell and crashed. And yet God did not leave his creation. He did not leave his people um, he drew first close to Adam and Eve in the garden, and then he called Abram to himself, changed his name to Abraham, and said, through you, I will bless all nations. You again and your descendants after you, I want to show to the world what it looks like to be a community that has God in the center. And of course, they didn't get that exactly right, as we learned over and over and over through the story. Um, Yet Jesus came onto the scene and he fulfilled that mission, that purpose for humanity, the purpose for Israel perfectly. He was and is the perfect expression of who God is. What we were meant to do, he embodied perfectly. Being the perfect king, being the perfect priest, being the perfect prophet. Perfect prophet. And yet, that's not the end of the story, is it? We can see in this, in this fourth movement, if you will, a vision of what it will look like in the future when finally God's reign is full and true and people from every tongue, tribe, and nation gladly acknowledge and worship Jesus as Lord and King. And we, and we are now in the middle of that story. We're in, the, we're in the part of the story where the Bible has been closed, yet it points to something greater and more beautiful in the future. It's as if God has entrusted to us, um, after the last letter was written in the Bible, um, the musical instruments to continue to sing his song, to continue to write his story. But he doesn't leave us without um, the ability to do it through the word, through his Holy Spirit with us, that we together are called to, to write into the symphony of God um, the, and the praise and glory that he deserves and reflects. And so how do we then write into that part of the story? Where does our music fit? Um, there's plenty of places that I could have landed from on, on how to, to share this, but I'd like to read uh, quickly um, and just highlight a couple of things from the story of the um, Good Samaritan. 
I really, um, sorry, that's, so we, we know the story. Um, we know the context. Um, it starts like this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. The summary of everything that God has entrusted to us is in those two commands, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But wanting to justify himself, he asked, and who is my neighbor? How far does this love for neighbor actually extend? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on oil and wine. Then he, then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to, the, to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. So Jesus said, which one of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of Roberts? robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. So the two basic things I want to draw out of this story is, is the context. It's all about our love. It's an expression of what it looks like to love God and to love your neighbor. The heart and the purpose of God in and through our lives that we as God's people might reflect and live out his character is seen in this picture of the Samaritan, the outcast the one who was um, marginalized. The Samaritan demonstrates how to display God's love and character and how we too should respond to the weak and or vulnerable. The love of God compels us to go out of our way for those who are hurting and vulnerable, even if they are our enemies. So it shows how we are supposed to, to live out. How are we, what's the music supposed to look like in the, in the song that we are entrusted to write? And it's supposed to look like love and going out of our way to serve those who are hurting. Um, so I'd just like to share a little bit of our story and how these things are all winding together, how um, I sense the Lord calling me to himself and, and into his um, purposes. So I came to faith as a young adult um, and as somebody who, who was basically came to the end of myself. Um, like I wasn't physically beaten up and left on the side of the road, but in reality, that's what was going on. And that's where the Lord Jesus found me and called me to himself. I naively got involved with mission simply by looking at a sign um, on, the, on a, a 
church wall that said, do you know Jesus? And I think I was a Christian for probably less than a year. It's like, yeah, getting there, you know? Um, and do you know English? Well, you know, here I am reading the sign, right? Um, why not to go, why not go to Ecuador and do a short-term mission trip? And I sort of went, I don't know, why not? I'll look into it. And so my first mission experience was going to South America to walk alongside longer-term missionaries to help with English class and things like that. I introduced myself as being, you know, Jay from smack dab in the middle of America. And when everybody went hmm? <laughs> like that, because they weren't English speakers, the longer-term missionary got up um, and explained what I was talking about. And in that moment, God opened the door for me to see this is a really beautiful thing to connect with people cross-culturally. Um, Robin will, will come up and join me. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, because this isn't just my story. It's our story and then our story. Um, so I'll let her take over a bit from there and, and share a little bit about herself. Good morning. So as Nathan um, mentioned earlier, you got my story right. <laughs> <laughs> I did grow up in a Christian family in uh, beautiful Yapoon. It's about eight hours north of here. Um, there was an emphasis on missions in my family and church, so it wasn't surprising that I felt a call to be a missionary nurse when I was 13 at a high school camp. Um, I have a lot to be thankful for and grateful for, for how the Lord has been faithful and, and his goodness to me in helping me get to, to do what he's asked me to do. Fifteen years after he called me to be a missionary nurse, um, you know, after finishing school, getting some nursing experience and going to Bible college, I was able to go to Haiti, uh, where I served for two years as a missionary nurse in a hospital there. Um, that was 20 years ago. Maybe some of you <laughs> prayed for me back then. Um, so thank you for that. <laughs> I love my time in Haiti, not only because I got to meet my mate there, uh, but I knew where I was where I was meant to be. After getting married, we spent some time in America. Jay finished Bible college and was an outreach director at a church in St. Louis. And then we then moved to the Philippines where we were there for six and a half years. Once again, our work there was confirmation that we were where we were meant to be. I love just about everything about our life there. I love living in another country and learning about the culture, working in the community and being able to teach the ladies there about health issues that would help them and their families. I love the opportunity that that gave to tell Bible stories um, and introduce them to Jesus. Throughout my different mission experiences, I went to do one thing. So in Haiti, I went to work as a nurse in a hospital in the States. Um, Jay finished his studies. We started our family. We got ready to go to the Philippines. In the Philippines, we went. I, I was doing community health in a Muslim community. So... We went there to do one thing, um, but I also found myself teaching English uh, in all of those three countries. In Haiti, the youth wanted to learn English to help them get uh, better work. In America, I helped in the church's ESL programs, and in the Philippines, once again, I, learning English helps young people get better jobs. Okay. Uh, towards the end of our time in the Philippines, we lived and served there for six and a half years. We sent we sensed 
for practical reasons and, and other reasons that we won't go into in detail, the Lord calling us to Australia. Um, as Pastor Nathan mentioned, we were in Maryborough for five of those years. Um, I was working as a part-time mission mobilizer, as well as serving in uh, Life Church's uh, food basket ministry, um, reaching out uh, to the marginalized and vulnerable in, in that particular community. Yet through all that time, we sensed that um, that wasn't our, what God had in store for us long term. We assumed that he would send us back overseas. Um, COVID and other reasons uh, shut the door on that. And as we prayed and sought the Lord, really over years, we sensed him leading us to towards Brisbane. Um, so one thing that SIM does, and it's relatively new since we've been back, um, is a ministry called Across. There's four significant aspects of that, but one of the pillars our foundations of Across Ministries is to partner with local churches and the local church to, to train and to equip and to walk alongside of the church as they engage in local cross-cultural ministry. And um, so Robin will tell you a little bit more about how we sense the Lord leading us in that. As has been mentioned, we believe the Lord has called us to Brisbane for Jay to take the SIM uh, mobilising role on full time and also to allow us to be involved in cross-cultural work right here in our backyard. Conversational English Classes, ESL, uh, is a great tool to help bridge the gap between those from other countries, whether refugees or migrants, uh, and everyday Aussies. It can also be a great tool that creates an environment that bridges the gap between people who might not come to church on Sunday morning and Jesus. We'll be starting an ESL program here at the Hills at the beginning of next year. This is a wonderful opportunity for us to be a for us as a church to embrace these people in our community. One of the things that I almost constantly say to people that I'm walking with when they're discerning God's will for mission is the verse from Acts 15, where um, I think it's in the letter where they write, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to all of us to move forward and, and do this. Um, the context of that is actually the church, um, which was primarily Jewish at the time, was grappling, what do we do with these international people? What do we do with these Gentiles? that are coming and believing in Jesus. And, and essentially what they said is, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to all of us to not make it burdensome for them to be able to come and experience the life of Christ. And so that's the same prayer that we, um, at, with which we approached the church to say, is there room and a possibility for us to serve cross-culturally here in the ministry? And what a blessing it was when, when Pastor Nathan said, we've been praying for this for years. And so it was a real confirmation that it, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to all of us to move into this space. And really what we want to do this morning is to encourage you to be a part of prayerfully considering, it, does it seem good and to the Holy Spirit to move in this particular space. Um, because ESL means English as a second language, but really what, what the heart of what we see God doing is wanting to, to sort of reframe it for our community and a way to, to see ESL as a way to live out the Hills Church mission with which God has entrusted. So we're going to rebrand it a little bit. When, when people in the community see ESL, they'll think, English is a second language, but what we want us to think is E, embrace, S, so, 
L learn. And that's <laughs> more or less going along, along those lines. So E, embrace. We're going to start there. Um, in the parable of Jesus separating uh, the sheep from the goats, one of the things that, that he says is, I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. You invited me in. So English classes can form the context and the environment where we can embrace people and demonstrate God's love for them. Uh, just a little experience that we had, a, a, a few that came out of our English teaching opportunities in America. Um, there was a, a woman in our intermediate class from Pakistan. Um, and I don't know what was happening in class. Um, one of my colleagues at the church was teaching. She told me the story the next day where this lady from Pakistan they were, they were just laughing and having a good time learning together um, and sharing stories and things along those lines. Um, and she said, I've been in America for seven years now, and this is the first time that I've ever laughed with people outside of my immediate family. And just, just to think about creating an environment where people can learn to have community and to laugh with people that aren't necessarily just their immediate family. Since we moved to Brisbane at the beginning of the year, I've been visiting an ESL program at a different church, helping out there. One of the ladies who attends uh, there was delighted to learn that Jay's mum, who's been visiting us uh, this last month, was the same age as her. The lady approached me and said um, that apart from Korean church on Sunday and English classes on Monday, she doesn't get to see any other people and was wondering if any language helpers, um, if there would be any language helpers who could meet with her just to help her with her English. I asked if she'd like to meet my mother-in-law. And we arranged to meet for lunch the following week with another Korean lady from the English class. So I used to think that the Pakistani lady story that Jay just told um, was sad until I learnt that Waja has been in Australia for 17 years and she has no Australian friends. The other lady, Kim, has been in Australia for six years and that day that we went to eat out together was the first time she'd eaten at a restaurant. Um, it makes me sad. How many other people are there in our communities have a similar story? We have this wonderful opportunity to extend the hand of love to these people. Um, English classes provide the bridge to embrace people from other countries. It's a connection to not only help refugees and migrants assimilate to life here in Australia through relationship, friendship, advocacy and practical needs, but most importantly, it's a way to introduce them to the love of Jesus. Learning to speak English opens doors uh, for these people to be able to understand the medical system, um, get the help and treatment that they need, help them study, get a job, um, provide for their family, understand the mail they receive, even texts. Um, and as I've already said, and it's an opportunity for them to learn about Jesus who loves them. So the, the English program that we're hoping to start provides that context and the opportunity to live out our mission to embrace people. They might not be broken and beat up like the, the, the person traveling on the road to Samaria, um, but nevertheless, the same thing presents um, the choice to us. Do we embrace like Jesus? Do we embrace like the Samaritan? 
or do we walk along because of the the distractions in life and, and whatever carries us around people who need to be embraced. But so, um, S also means so. It's in the context of this embrace that we can sow, sow the seed of the word. As Jesus said, a sower went out to sow his seed, and that seed is the word of God. Um, there is a, um, a slide here that uh, shows some statistics of uh, unreached people groups around the world. And, and, and I'll just make it very, very short. There are billions of people around the world who have never had and may never have the opportunity to hear about the good news of Jesus without either people being sent and being willing to go and to make sacrifices financially to partner with those who are willing to go. However, there are people from these parts of the world that are also in our neighborhood. And what a tragedy it would be that they could be so close to the gospel and yet not be embraced by the church and, and not have the word sown into their life. Uh, another story from our, from, from our time in America is, um, I'll, I will call her Fatima from uh, North Africa. Um, she was in a, a relationship with her husband that wasn't that great. Um, we were able to, to help fix up some things in her house because of that on a, on a get out day where we got out into the community and served. Um, but the, the hardest part for her uh, for this was when her daughter was unmarried um, and had became pregnant with, with somebody who was seen by the North African community as um, unwanted. There was, there was race involved and racism involved with that story as well. And so this woman was shamed by her Muslim community. She was rejected and shamed um, because of that, but she was embraced by the church. And she saw the difference in her life between her community and the community of faith. And she got to experience the gospel. Now, her story is unwritten, but, you know, some 10 odd years ago, she said, even though I've seen this tremendous difference, I'm not going to become a Christian. But we've all heard stories um, where people declared that they would never, and, and that becomes part of their testimony in coming to Christ. And sharing... Um, also, the word of God as a part of English class is a way to sow the seed of the word into people's lives. And so um, I have a great story about that, but you're going to have to come to some form of training to be able to hear that. <laughs> it goes without saying that when we talk about sowing, we naturally think of gardening. Another idea that we have to help make some connections and to help promote healing uh, from trauma is garden therapy. The gardeners in the room will tell you that gardening is a very satisfying pastime. <laughs> <laughs> and that something therapeutic happens as you turn the soil over and as you plant the plants and as you tend, tend them. I had the privilege of visiting a colleague's uh, restorative garden in Sydney this year uh, where gardening is being used to help promote healing and restoration to those who have gone through trauma. It's amazing what God is doing in that space. One, on the day I visited, she was working with ladies who were refugees from Afghanistan. These women are from a, a minority group in Afghanistan, meaning that they did not have the opportunity to learn how to read or write even in their own language. <clears throat> 
and have spent many years in refugee camps in Iran before they even uh, came to Australia. They have PTSD and are receiving therapy and counselling weekly. These women's therapists told Angela that there has been a notable improvement in their health and well-being since the ladies have been visiting the garden and they don't think that the change has come from therapy sessions. The garden not only provides physical enjoyment for these ladies but they are learning new skills, they're in community and there's a way to incorporate trauma therapy uh, in the conversations they have as they garden. Not only that, Bible storying is a big part of that as well. The ladies in the photos here do not know how to read or write and one of them actually lost her children for a time because she wasn't well enough to look after them. Since they've been gardening, they have completed a master gardener program that the Sydney Botanical Gardens has offered them. They've received a certificate for completing this course and they're so proud of what they've achieved. Their very first certificate. We get little certificates going through school saying, well done, you've completed this and that. This is her very first certificate ever. One lady wears her green hat and shirt from the program every time she's at the garden. It shows that she has wealth and value. This lady even has her children back now that she's doing so much better. Wouldn't it be great if we could offer a similar ministry here sometime down the track? <laughs> so if, you, if that pricks your ears, um, if that's something that you'd like to be involved in, um, come and talk to, to us later about that. Um, this is not something we're starting straight away, but... It, looking down the track that's a vision it would be really easy to redefine l as love um and and love is really the thing that should cover all of this both love for god and love for our neighbor um but we wanted to focus on the the making disciples side of this um so we have learn and because and and i won't read the the great commission to you i think it will be on the screen um but to make disciples, we first must be disciples. We first must be following and learning from Christ. And there's plenty that we can learn, especially from brothers and sisters in Christ who have moved to Australia as migrants or refugees. Sometimes our most profound lessons are taught to us by those who are weak or marginalized. Jesus, the master teacher, pointed to a marginalized Samaritan as the embodiment of God's love and action. He also pointed to a widow to teach us about generosity. So it's not about us who disciple and lead, but it's about becoming a community who grow and learn together as we look to Jesus, people from every tongue, tribe, and nation, and he causes us to grow in him. And just as Jesus taught his early disciples to learn and grow from those on the margins, he invites us to be his disciples and walk and grow with them too. We've been blessed with several lessons um, from people in many contexts. We'll, we'll share a couple of them and, and start to wind things down. Um, Romans 12.20 says, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Um, I think this is something that culturally speaking, we just have no idea what's being said. I read in a book, though, um, a, a Muslim man who follows Jesus said, you know, you Westerners struggle with this, but for us, it's very easy. He was a nomadic North African person. Um, he said, you know, when our fires go out, what we do is we send a daughter or whatever to the neighboring family or neighboring village or whatever the case may be. They wrap a towel around their head and have burning coals 
heaped on their head, that they can come back and start again the fire. So, you know, the, this, and he's like, this is easy to understand. Um, and so it's, it's more of a picture, not of heaping shame on people, not of, you know, burning people or anything along those lines, but doing something that's restorative to life. Um, I had another conversation with a Muslim, a Muslim evangelist, somebody whose job it was to, to convert me to Islam, um, to be able to sit down and look at the Bible with him, to be able to learn something from him about the, the, the challenges of idolatry. He said, you know, we become like what we worship. You've, you know, we become like an idol. And, um, you know, my natural inclination is eyes but can't see, lips but can't speak, ears but can't hear. He's like, we become what we worship. I was like, ooh, that's really good and insightful. Um, and there's, there's many other stories that we can tell Robin will share. One, two. I also loved hearing and learning about the Bible from a different perspective. It wasn't until I started rubbing shoulders with people from other countries that I came to learn that we look at the Bible uh, stories through our own cultural lens. I was surprised to learn that my Christian friends in the Philippines, Haiti and other countries got different things out of the Bible from what I did. I love learning new things about our Lord and hearing their perspective and take on these familiar stories. For example, with the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, I had never heard the question asked before about how dirty are our towels. So in becoming um, and being disciples and learning together with brothers and sisters in Christ and with those who don't yet know him, it's about our journey shared together with people from every tongue, tribe, and nation, that we can be in a position to help them to see Jesus and to grow in him. So what are our next steps in this shared mission? First and foremost, pray. Um, will you please join us in praying that the work that we sense God wanting us to do um, in this community and to the international community around us is grounded and established in God's grace and empowered by his spirit um, because of our shared prayer ministry together. Um, come and consider volunteering. Um, Robin will tell you about um, some roles that are available to fill, but what we're really looking for is people who are willing to love, people who are willing to learn, people who are willing to take the time to grow in relationship with, with people from other um, places. It can be difficult, um, but with the Lord's help, it's fruitful and fulfilling. So English at Hills, what does that look like? We'll need volunteers to help run the ESL classes. That's teachers, helpers, people to serve morning tea and people to help with children while parents are in class. If this is something that the Lord may be speaking to you about, uh, we would love to talk with you after the service. If you're sensing that this might be a ministry that you could be involved with, would you please pray about this call? We will be having a training day to help prepare for the English team, uh, to help to prepare our English team. Um, so there is time for you to pray about this before, um, before then and get confirmation about whether this is for you or not. Even if you're not able to be involved in the English ministry that uh, will be happening on Tuesday mornings, there could be a spot for you as an English buddy to meet with an English student over a cuppa and have a conversation just like Wajar and Kim. You might be surprised what the Lord has in store for you through that small little get-together. 
I would encourage you to, if you ever have sensed the Lord calling you into cross-cultural ministry, to consider being a part of this um, before you engage that mission organization or whatever your next step might be to get some real life experience working with people from other contexts um, here in a safe-ish environment. I'll go safe environment. Um, so a next obvious step then is to come along to the training that Robin's mentioned. Um, we're partnering with another organization to help put that on. I've done some training um, from the Cultural Intelligence Center and to be able to um, provide that um, both an assessment of where you are personally and with relationship to cultural intelligence and how to grow and cross-cultural awareness and ability to serve. But I think most importantly that um, whether or not you're involved in this English program, that this is something that we're all called to live out, to be, uh, be and to reflect um, the Lord's love and character to everyone around that we're willing to learn from and listen to those who may be hurting and vulnerable. And that's whether they're from Timbuktu, Thailand, or Tawantan. Um, let's follow the example of the Samaritan who goes out of their way to embrace, to sow, and to learn with those that God loves. So whether or not you want to be involved in this English program, please let me encourage you to think about how you can reflect Jesus to others who might be in your circle of influence. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for your perfect love. We're grateful for Jesus and the fact that this isn't about us, but it's about him having his will, doing your will in us and through us. Help us as a community of faith to reflect the beauty of who Jesus is as we worship you and glorify you. May our lives sing the song of God that, that ends up filling all of creation with your goodness and glory. May you be glorified in this program. May you be glorified in us. We entrust ourselves to you afresh in Jesus' name.